I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. This is Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry from Utah's Capitol Hill to your schools, taxes, and all the breaking news. Hear it on Live Mike with Lee Lonsberry on KSL News Radio. Hey, welcome back. We are into the final hour of today's episode of Live Mike, episode number 303. When all is said and done, uh, you and I will have spent 300. And 13 days total uh, before before you and I say goodbye to one another and I head east again. Uh, it was a wonderful run. It has been wonderful. And we still have two weeks yet to go. And so let's make them good. Let's finish strong. And right now, spend a few minutes here on the top two stories at 2 o'clock. Uh, what qualifies as one of these top stories? So we're, we're going to walk through a few stories here in just a moment. And I think... That as I you know review the list of the rundown, the things we've discussed so far today, that these are these are conversations that are uh, worthwhile uh, to have around your kitchen table. Uh, you know they may not be the most headline making stories, but uh, they they certainly at least again in my humble opinion are worthy of making the headlines of your kitchen table. Uh, so first off, uh, we started the program today looking uh, towards the White House. There was some news just last week that broke, late in the week, by the Daily Beast. And the Daily Beast had discovered that a handful of White House staffers had lost their jobs. They had either been fired, they had been uh, voluntold to resign uh, or retire, or in some cases where firing wasn't the wasn't in order, they were relegated to exclusively remote working, no longer reporting either to the White House or to the Eisenhower building just across the street from the White House that uh, uh, is home to some overflow offices. Uh, also, fun fact, uh, also home to the office of Vice President Kamala Harris. Again, the Eisenhower uh, building just adjacent to the White House. A number of people get get fired, get let go, early retirement. Why? Well, because according to the the Daily Beast and later uh, confirmed by uh, Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, there had been some disclosures of past recreational use of marijuana. The Daily Beast reported last week that a handful of White House staffers had been, quote, pushed out and sidelined for disclosing their past recreational use of marijuana, including in states that have legalized recreational use of marijuana. 
Now, why are you and I discussing this right now? Well, because I, I, I believe it deserves some explanation. This is not a question of, uh, you know, stuffy workplace policy. Well, where on the weekends you, you can't let your hair down and have any fun, even when uh, the state in which you live, which includes Washington, D.C., not a state, but legal recreationally nonetheless, nonetheless to, uh, to, to use marijuana recreationally. This isn't a question of uh, stuffy workplace policy. This quite literally is a question of national security. National security. What do I mean? Well, number one, we must remind ourselves that the recreational use of marijuana is still illegal at the federal level. So regardless of what states say, you're still committing a federal crime uh, if if you're using this marijuana recreationally. I think for the most part, it has been telegraphed by the various departments of justice during the last few administrations that there will be uh, a, a lax or nearly uh, nearly absent enforcement of uh, federal statute when it comes to the recreational use of marijuana. But it exists on the books nonetheless. And when it's on the books and until it isn't, it is important. And it is incredibly important when it comes to our national security, specifically these types of workers that were let go. Many of them, many of them, in order to execute the duties they've been hired to perform, they must be able to maintain a security clearance, meaning that they have passed through an examination and an investigation which which deems them to be of the most upstanding nature, meaning that they are worthy of holding on to and knowing secrets, secrets, sensitive information regarding the United States government. And if you, if you break federal law, while there is certain, there is a, an amount of discretion allowed here, but if you break federal law uh, and you admit to it, generally, generally, you are going to be determined unworthy of holding on to this important information, this crucial information to national security. You're disqualified from having a security clearance, secret or top secret or otherwise. And if you can't, if you can't, if you are not worthy of having this information and having that information is necessary to execute your job, well, then how can you be effective? Now, the reason I uh, decided to walk through an explanation of the nuance of that reality, it's because uh, I, I just I feel that there that it's important for a distinction to be made between, uh, you know, uh, an uptight and stuffy workplace that says, oh, no, Mary Jane, no good. And a strict and absolute adherence to protecting this country. Now, we can debate the merits of of you know federal marijuana laws another time but right now what we are looking at is a situation that is dictated by adherence to a system a system that is in place to keep this nation strong and to keep it safe and one that uh, I am pleased to to say because I believe it has been able to to safeguard itself against the poisonous influence of politics. 
uh, agree or disagree, uh, what, what we are witnessing in the White House, in the purging of these handful of staffers, uh, is done in the name of national security, and I believe that it's not taking that name in vain. All right, that is the first top story of the day. Uh, number two has to do with an interesting survey conducted by, uh, uh, what was it, Ty- typing.com? Was that it? Typing.com? Interesting uh, name. wonder what they're into. Um, the, the survey had to do with communication between loved ones, specifically uh, spouses or boyfriend and girlfriend, when one or the other finds themselves in the workplace all day. You know, we have uh, digital communication. We can send text messages or WhatsApp or we've got the Facebook Messenger or any number of ways to communicate uh, with a little cell phone, a little device that fits into your pocket. Now, what is communication like? What's it like? Do you have a constant stream of back and forth with your spouse throughout the day? Do you expect uh, more communication than uh, your spouse sends back? And how about this? When you send a note, uh, maybe it's a, maybe it's like a little noxious one. It's not too important. It's not time sensitive. Do you expect a response immediately? Well, it's an interesting conversation, and uh, that that survey that was conducted uh, shed a little bit of light on this. I, I'm, I'm ever curious about what you have going. Five seven five zero zero. That's the Utah Community Credit Union text line. What this survey showed was that couples, 55% of them communicate with one another via these digital means more so than they do in person or face-to-face. Kind of scary, right? I don't want to sound too old-fashioned, but I am in the communication game, and I understand that nuance and eye contact and body language and also the ability to detect sarcasm uh, are very important to communication. That's just a, a, a short list, too. There's much more that goes into it. And none of that, none of that is uh, able to be transmitted via text message. So 55% of couples communicating uh, the majority of their back and forth with their spouse or loved one via digital means, text message. A little bit scary, right? It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.